May all beings be happy. May all beings be healthy. May all beings be free from harm. May all beings love life. May all beings awaken. Welcome to another Cuke Audio Podcast. I'm DC, Pubov Cuke Audio and Cuke Archives, doing our bit to preserve the legacy of Shunryu Suzuki and those whose paths cross his. And anything else that comes to mind, I pray that you and yours are safe and comfortable, free from economic hardship and able to get out and do whatever it is you want within the limitations of the universal precept of do as little harm as possible. So today we have a guest, a fellow named Michael Pappas. Mike Pappas. Uh, I met... uh, Michael, on Facebook, I don't know if we go back further because I have lots of people, uh, you know, friends on Facebook and email and this and that. But uh, uh, he sent me a message, messenger, right? And he sent pictures of a fundraising brochure for to buy Zen Mountain Center, to buy... Uh, land for a Zen practice center in the woods down south of San Francisco. And I looked at that thing. It was a photograph, you know. And, and he, sent, he sent a few. He sent another of uh, another um, brochure. Um, uh, but I recognized that. I knew we had that one. The one, the, the first one, I went, wow, wait a minute. It was... The one fundraising brochure for raising money to buy Tassahara we didn't have. And I, I'd, you know, it was an oversight. I, I really thought I'd gone through absolutely everything at the Page Street building in Green Gulch and Tassahara, but uh, things keep coming up. Uh, I just got an email recently or a Facebook messenger message of a, a fellow. You know, uh, had some some other, uh, uh, you, you know, some other materials. Uh, and I asked him, well, where'd you get that? And he said, oh, it was in a box and, you know, at uh, the city center. And, you know, I was a guest student. I was looking at it. So uh, I took a picture of it or something. I said, well, where's the box? And he said, well, I couldn't get anybody interested in it, and I think they threw it away. Uh, and I said, that is a perfect summary of the history of archiving at Zen Center. <laughs> it's, it's one side of it, right? Uh, and uh, uh, so... Michael had found some boxes with all these old brochures, and he took a couple. There were plenty of them. You know, they were very old. Thank you, Michael. Now, somehow I'd missed that first one. Now, the first brochure was to raise money for land near Tassahara. 
And uh, we were raising 20000 on a down payment on a 150000 piece of land called the Horse Pasture that was owned by the Becks who sold us to Sahara. And at the last minute, Bob, Bob and Anna Beck uh, and, and Richard Baker uh, came to an agreement to put the down payment money. He'd already, he went there to, you know, to seal the deal put the down payment money on Tassahara, which was now going to be 300000 They'd come down from three hundred and seventy-five, um, and they really wanted us to get it. Uh, and um, so, anyway, uh, you know, uh, I said, gee, I'd like some nice scans of that. Could you do that? And he said, oh, that's back in my storage in Portland. Um, and... Uh, you know, yeah, I'll do that, but I won't be back there for three months or so. So then I was just biting my nails and, and waiting for three months. And he did it. He, well, he'd sent, he'd sent, uh, really nice photographs. They were good enough. A photograph can be as good as a scan. It is a type of scan. I mean, a scan's type of photograph, right? Uh, and we have them up now. We have a page on posters and brochures. For fundraisers for Zen Mountain Center. It's a whole page of, uh, you know, workshops and fundraisers and this and that. And, and the, 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 that's the n number one, the first one. And um, anyway, so, you know, so I was talking to him. Well, I was messaging with him and I said, hey, why don't you be a podcast guest? And as it says in the podcast, he went, oh, no, you know, I was just a guest student. I was just a student there for a while. And I said, no, come on, because I like to get everybody's story, you know. You never know. And let me tell you, it's good. So, look, um, yeah, it's a really good way-seeking mind story. And it, it's really good because it, it starts off with a, a serious <laughs> choice. <laughs> Well, I'll try Zen, and if it doesn't work, I'll kill myself. <laughs> and it worked. Uh, you know, and I must say, you know, we sit around a bitch about Zen Center, always have, and this and that. There's, it's never perfect. It's an institution. But I can't tell you the number of people, uh, who, people who are practicing and people who weren't, who said, you know, it just came at a time in my life where it was just so important. And, you know, that discipline, and it just turned me around. Or just relating to the people, being there in that in that group. And the group and the culture changes through the years. They're talking about different times. And they're talking about people they're related to. And, you know, a lot of them went on. And, uh, you know, almost all of us have gone on and done other things. Um, now, I've kept one foot in it, right? But... Um, uh, there's an enormous amount of gratitude from a very wide range of people about the time they had at Zen Center. There's, there's a good deal of resentment, too, and hurt feelings. People who felt they weren't appreciated, who, who were sort of felt like they were sort of pushed out. Uh, and, uh, you know, there is stuff like, well, it's an institution, you know? There's old prominent students, you know, at some point which suggested they 
go out and this and that. I did it on my own early. <laughs> but, you know, then I'd come back and do things with Sin Center. Uh, and, uh, but I was after, I was 10 years a company man. But after, uh, you know, uh, you know, 66 through 76, a uh, few months short of 10 years. And, uh, uh, but anyway, you get it. That's enough. After we've had our pause to meditate, we'll um, give Mike Pappas a call. So when you hear the bell, if you're of such a mind, hit pause and meditate or whatever for as long as you wish. And when you're ready to come back, hit unpause. And we'll be here to hit the bell to end the meditation or whatever. And we'll give Mike Pappas a call. Hello. Hey there. How are you doing? Hi, David. How are you? Okay. Okay. So, um, you're in Corpus Christi, right? Correct. Yeah. Home of Janis Joplin, as I recall. Oh, huh. I didn't know that. I think we've so. We've been hearing, we've been hearing a lot about Selena. No. Haven't heard anything about Janice, but Selena is very big around here. Oh, maybe Janice Joplin from Port Port. Uh, no, I'm I'm going to look it up. Joplin. Uh, maybe she might be from Port from? Arthur. She's from Port Arthur. I'm okay. Yeah, I'm from Fort Worth. Oh, okay, north of here. Yeah, that's right. Uh, where are you from? Um, I grew up in Detroit, uh-huh. um, but I've lived in Portland, Oregon for 40, 42 years straight, more or less straight last 42 years I've lived in Portland. Uh-huh. When were you born? 1954. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. I see. I was, I was in Detroit until I went to, until I went to college in Michigan. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And uh so I I uh, you and I uh have been in contact because at some point in your life you went uh to the San Francisco Zen Center. Uh That's right. Uh and uh <clears throat> so how'd that come about? Oh, well, um well, it was 1980, and uh, I was ready to kill myself, and I had read a couple kind of just, you know, bookstore books, you know, just kind of uh, pop books about Zen, and uh, I moved to I'd moved to Portland, Oregon in '78, and I met a guy who knew Suzuki Roshi, 
and he gave me a copy of Zen Mind, Beginner's Mind. What was his and name? That, Do you remember? His name was Mike Veritas. Huh. I'm sure that wasn't his original name. <clears throat> he told me that he had driven Suzuki Roshi. He had been Suzuki Roshi's driver. Uh-huh. And he and he and I were school bus drivers in Portland, Oregon in like 1978. Huh. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, so Suzuki didn't a, have a, a driver. Suzuki didn't have a driver. But people drove him. There was never any one because a lot of us drove him. <laughs> but well, um, I guess maybe maybe it'd be more accurate to say that he drove Suzuki Roshi. Yeah. at some point in time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh. Suzuki didn't uh, drive, and he didn't want to because he liked mm. to relate to people that way, and he liked having different people drive him. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, so um, I decided uh, it, it's, at some point in time, I decided, well, if this Zen thing doesn't work out, I can kill myself later. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the, the possibility will still be there. Oh, wow. So, so, so I'll try the Zen thing, and if it doesn't work, if it doesn't help, I'll kill myself. Now, uh, why did you want to kill yourself? Oh, you know, mostly because uh, I was very lonely. <clears throat> I was ex extremely lonely. I'd been in love with this woman, and I wanted to marry her, and she dumped me very harshly. And I just thought, you know, what's what's the point? I'm just I'm just sick of sick of life. And I was only 25. I was already <laughs> yeah yeah. I was only 25, and I was already sick of it. Yeah. <clears throat> wow. And uh, yeah, and, you know, Zen was this very interesting thing. And uh, you know, before I'd met this guy in Portland, I thought that I would have to go to Japan to study Zen, and I wasn't about to do that. I that never really occurred to me that I would go to Japan and study. And I thought, I thought Zen was this thing that existed in Japan. I didn't think it. I didn't think Zen practice was an option in the U.S. And then I met this guy and I was like, oh, there's there's people doing Zen in San Francisco. Well, that's not that far away. I guess I could go do Zen with them. So I actually rode the uh, um, green tortoise bus. I don't know if you remember that. Oh, yeah. Wow. <laughs> And I left the the morning of the Saint Helens Mount Saint Helens eruption. Hmm. I left that morning, and while we're driving to San Francisco, I heard that the mountain had blew, blown up, and I missed the whole thing. Mm -hmm. But I always know what day I went to San Francisco. <laughs> and and, and it what was exactly that same day? What was the date again? Well, I'm not sure. You'd have to look it up. It's the, it's the day that Mount St. Helens blew up. All right. Big eruption. It was May. I know it was May. And it was, uh, yeah, 1980. Uh-huh. And I just 
kind of went to the Zen center and knocked on the door and said, hey, I'd like to learn how to meditate. And they said, okay, come on in. May 18th. Uh, on, page, on Page Street. May 18th. 1980, 1980, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, that's great. Uh, so, you knocked on the door and said you want to learn to meditate. They said, come on in. And then what? Um, uh, you know, they allowed me to stay there. Uh, I can't remember. I had, I had introduct, I had an introductory session with a guy named Steve Allen. Oh yeah. And I always thought Steve Allen, you know, well, I, that's a memorable name. Cause he was, you know, there was a TV, there was a TV host with the same name. And I thought, Oh, Steve Allen. Oh yeah. And I, I remember, I remember having this sort of this, introductory talk with Steve Allen in the, um, I don't know, somewhere in the Zen Center building. And I remember I sort of had a vision of, of I don't know how to s- describe it. There was an, a few of us there, and I kind of had this vision of, like, um, <clears throat> some colored kind of, dream of something coming out of all of our heads and joining up above us. And I went, well, that's pretty cool. Wow. And uh, decided, well, this is definitely something new. And, um, you know, began sitting. I mean, I went from being drunk and stoned, you know, sort of half the time to suddenly being at the Zen Center and getting up at, you know, five o'clock or whatever it was and sitting um, four or five periods a day. And, you know, suddenly I'm eating vegetarian food and it was intense. Mm. It was very intense, very intense, very difficult. Mm. And after about, I think I was there about four days and they said, well, next week we're doing a session. Do you want to stay? And I said, hell no. I don't want to do a session. I just started sitting three days ago. <laughs> and I said, well, if you don't, if you don't want to do a session, you can go to Tassajara. And I said, okay, I'll go to Tassajara then. Hmm. So within like four days of beginning sitting, I was at Tassajara. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Yeah. And I always say the people there saved my life because they were just so wonderful. Mm. I mean, every, everyone was just so wonderful. They were the most wonderful people I'd ever met. Well, that's I, nice. I told them, you know, you guys, you guys saved, I mean, l- later, I don't know who I was talking to, Blanche or, um, oh, another woman whose name I don't, uh, Tia Strozer. You got it. I think she, I think she was the, the um, um, she was the head of the kitchen, Tenzo. Mm-hmm. Later, I told her, you know, you guys saved you, all of you who were there, you saved my life. Because hmm. it was uh, it was just so refreshing and so wonderful to be around those people. Hmm. Hmm. Tia was uh, the Tenzo in the city then, right? No, she was a well. I believe she was the Tenzo at Tassajara. Oh, she was. was, Because she went on to be the Tenzo in the city 
Uh-huh. Yeah, it was the summer. You know, I was there for three. I stayed for three and a half months. Hmm. And uh, you know, Norman Fish uh, Blanche was the uh, Blanche Hartman was the head monk. Hmm. And um, Norman Fisher was there as a resident, and Paul Holler ah. was there. I sat Tongario next to Paul just one day. Hmm. Um. Gil Fronsdale was working in the kitchen. Oh goodness! You know, a lot of a lot of people who went. Well, three or four people who you know ended up being Abbott. Mm-hmm. Well, Blanche ended up as Abbott. Norman did. Paul Holler did. Vanya Palmer's was there. He was the work leader. Oh you know, wow! I just loved him. Yeah. I just loved Vanya. Yeah. Ah. <clears throat> Yeah, there was a lot of, you know, amazing people there. Mm. Gil Fronsdale, I, I, he, he worked in the kitchen, and I was a waiter. They put me in the kitchen, and I don't know. I don't think I knew what the hell I was doing. So I was a friendly guy, so they made me a waiter in the dining room. Yeah. And I would, you know, have to ferry food from the kitchen to the dining room. And Gil Fronsdale was in the kitchen, and he moved so slowly. I just always wanted to slap him. Because <laughs> he was like, he was being so mindful and moving so slowly. I'd be standing there, you know, waiting to bring some food to the dining room, and I just wanted to slap him upside the head. Oh yeah, that's that's <laughs> great. I understand. I ran the dining room for four years, you know, the, uh, from uh, the first, and uh, 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 yeah. <laughs> and I, I was the host at uh, Greens for the first two years. And if, oh wow! When if we got a, but we'd give, it was all Zen students then. And if we got a, uh, uh, you know, a, a, a new student sent over to Greens to help, and they were doing that, I just say, hey, <laughs> <laughs> you might think yeah. that Zen is, you know, but here, go as fast as you can while being efficient and careful. Uh, yeah, be careful, be mindful, but you know, <laughs> get, let's get let's get going here. You know, there are people waiting. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's great. Yeah, that was funny. So when you know when I was there, I met Isan and I met Philip Whalen and oh wow, um, I got very close to Blanche. You know, she was the head monk. I just you know, I just loved her. Uh-huh. I think so they were much. calling it Tonto then, right? Yeah, I, th- I think so. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I yeah. think so. Head monk. No, Lou, no, we didn't say Lou. head monk because the head monk is the shuso, and the tantos, mm-hmm. uh, the shuso is the second ordination after you get ordained as a priest or a monk, and mm-hmm. and uh, the uh, tanto is when you're like uh, at a teacher level. Uh, and, oh, okay. And the, okay. the the head monk, you're still at a you're like head student there. Um, oh, okay, okay. But I mean, it's all confusing uh, beca- huh. because we did use uh, words like that interchangeably. Uh huh. Uh huh. Do you want to hear a little story about uh, something that happened with uh, with a Blanche and I? Well, uh, absolutely. A teaching she gave me. Um, like I said, I'd been, I mean, I'd been literally, I went from being drunk and stoned 
and you know living on McDonald's and you know junk food and then within you know about four or five diet days I'm at Tassajara and um, mm. you know I describe it as being a combination of boot camp and detox ah because I, I was detoxing. I didn't know it at the time, but in retrospect, I was also detoxing, you know, vegetarian food and sitting. I think we were sitting five periods a day. Uh-huh. Anyway, um, you know, I didn't know what the hell I was doing. And I was breathing. I didn't know at the, at the time. Well, here's here's how I describe it. I was breathing very loudly, but I thought. I was the only one that could hear me. <laughs> mm-hmm. I thought I was the only person that could hear this breath. So I was breathing. Mm. And I just thought, well, that's normal. Nobody can hear me. I'm not disturbing anyone. And, and um, Blanche had me come and meet with her. And she didn't say anything. She just had me sit next to her. I guess it was in the Zendo. She just had me sit next to her and she just said, let's just sit for a while. And we sat there and without her ever saying anything, I realized how loudly I was breathing. And I just stopped. That is. I just stopped breathing so loudly. That's really something. That's good. I mean, I'm. It's really something. She didn't say anything. That's and did that. No, she didn't say anything. Wow. But somehow I just got it. I yeah. just got it. Like, oh, I'm really breathing loudly. Yeah. I would have said, "Hey, man, you don't have to breathe loud like that." But I really, <laughs> but, uh, Blanche. No, Blanche. Uh, she, uh, that's that's much better. I'm I'm very impressed. Yeah. yeah, it was wonderful. Yeah. Hmm. It just it just it just it just you know, I just got it without her saying a word about it. I just somehow I just got it. Like, oh, I'm really breathing loudly. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. And I had a lot of contact with Norman Fisher. I just loved Norman. I mean he was kinda like my best friend when I was there. Hmm. Um a, you know, a bunch of us lived in the barn. We were upstairs in the barn. Oh and yeah. And I got to be I got to be good friends with a guy you might know, Jim Paralini. Oh yeah. If you ever remember Jim Paralini. Yeah. I mean he was there. We were you know, his bed was near mine. Ah. And um yeah, it was an amazing three and a half months and it was really hard. It was really difficult for me. I was just in tremendous pain during sitting every time. But mm. you know, I just I did have the will to to not move. I had the, the urge to to do it. You know, as best I could. Mm. Yeah. And and I was required to do a one day tangario, which you know totally terrified me. <laughs> and it was yeah. I mean, I could barely sit for 40 minutes without screaming, you know? So this idea of Tongario was like, okay, you know, I don't know. I don't know. I'll, I'll, I'll try, you know, I'll try. And it was Paul 
Holler and I, we sat together in the Zendo all day. Yeah. Right next to each other. Yeah. Well, and he was in full, he was in full Lotus, like no big deal. And I'm like sweating bullets all day. <laughs> I don't even know. I don't know how I survived it. It was just, I guess I was young enough to, you know, take all that pain. Wow. Physical pain, physical and emotional pain. Mm. Mm. Yeah, Tangario, uh, there's, there's, uh, you know, a session, you sit for 40 minutes it, at Zen Center, and then you walk for 10 minutes, right? So it goes back and forth. Tangario, you sit till breakfast or, or till morning service, and then you sit till afternoon service, and, you know, I have yeah. a, brief, a little brief break. Um, but you know how Richard Baker used to uh describe it and and how this is a good point i'll i'll, I'll remember this because i'm i'm writing about some of this stuff right now um mm-hmm. i'm gonna make a little note baker on tangario uh because what he said he said tangario in tangario you, you don't don't think you have to sit there like it's a session uh just stay in that spot. Mm. You know, uh, I mean, I'm not saying that, that, that that's the traditional official way to sit Tangario, but that's what he, that's the approach he had was mm. that's your spot. You stay there. And so he was giving people permission you know, so they'd feel all right wow. about moving and stuff. Well, I didn't, I never heard that. <laughs> Nobody <laughs> told me that. Wow. Nobody told me that. Yeah. Of course, Paul, you know, Paul didn't move an inch. <laughs> oh, that's pretty good. Uh, no, he didn't move an inch. And I'm sitting right next to him going, Jesus Christ, you know. Oh. I can't move. I can't move. <laughs> wow. He's not moving. I'm not, if he's not moving, then I'm not supposed to move, I guess. You know, I didn't know what the hell I was doing. <laughs> wow. That was, uh, you, you had uh, a really... Uh, strict example right next to you. Uh, right. You know. Right. Mm. And I think during the breaks, I might have this wrong, but I'm pretty sure that during the breaks, Paul went running. Huh. He went running up the road, you know, towards uh, James Jamesburg. Is yeah. That what it is? Yeah. So it's like, and I'm like, you know, I'm dying. I just want to lie down and, you know, <laughs> try to recover from the last four hours or whatever and this guy's going running i'm like holy shit you know jesus this is you know and you know i was impressed that you know a human being could do that mm. you know i was i was 25 i guess i was 25 years old i had my 26th birthday at, at tasahara mm. so you know i wanted to be like him mm. But I, but I loved Norman Fisher, you know, Paul and I weren't really friends. I mean, he was just, you know, this intense, amazing guy. Yeah. I didn't feel like we were friends, but Norman was, you know, <clears throat> he was just such a wonderful person. I guess, I guess if I had to say, you know, who I, who I, you know, really wanted to emulate was Norman and, and Blanche. You know, they were mm. just such, they were just such wonderful people. Mm. 
Mm. And then, you know, Phil, Phil Whalen came and gave a couple talks. I do have an interesting story about Ethan. Please. Um, um, Ethan came, came and gave a talk. You know, people, the teachers would come there, uh, they would pass through and stay a few days at Tassahara and they would, they would give a Dharma talk. Mm. And uh, I always remember the one Isan gave because it, it was really depressing. You know, I didn't know I didn't know anything about Isan at the time. You know, until after I read his read the book about him and you know street Zen and mm. you know learned more about who he was. But at the time, you know, he he came and gave this talk, and I found the talk extremely depressing. And afterwards, we went to the, they had question and answer in the dining room, mm. which was wonderful. It was always a wonderful scene there. Because, well, first of all, you could sit in a chair, you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was comfortable for the first time all week. <laughs> and uh, and bats would, do you remember bats would fly into the dining room and fly around above our heads while we're sitting there in the, oh, in the th- kerosene light? Oh, thanks for the detail. That's great. Yeah. yeah, yeah. We'd all be sitting there in chairs and in the, in the with the kerosene lamps, and bats would come in through the door, or the window, and circle around our, fly around above our heads, and then eventually find their way out and go out. Hmm. 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 So this one, this one Dharma talk uh, Isan gave, I gave, I found very depressing. So I raised my hand in the question and answer in the dining room, and I said, if things are so bad, why don't we just kill ourselves? Because, you know, I, I've, been, I've been contemplating that for, you know, a couple, at least a year. Yeah. That's great. And he said, because it wouldn't help. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with that. You know, I agree with that. That's always, yeah, that's always, you know, stayed with me. Uh, yeah, and, uh, I think of suicide as getting rid of the solution uh, more than the problem. But, hmm. but, uh, hmm. uh, that's hard to prove. <laughs> right, right, right. There's the rub. <laughs> For in that sleep of death, what dreams may come when we have shuffled off this mortal coil must give us pause. Hey, well done. Yeah, there's the rub. Yeah. Um, well, you remember anything else? Um, wait a minute. What was so depressing about Isan's stock? You know, it's funny. I don't. I don't remember the talk so much, you know. Like all those talks, you know, they went on for, I don't know, I guess they were pretty long talks, at least, you know, 45 minutes to an hour. And, you know, it was kind of, it, it kind of shocked me that the Zen teachers, you know, uh, upper level teacher would come and give a talk that was like, um, you know, I wish I could come up with it, but it was kind of like, you know, Things are pretty bad, and people are pretty awful, and <laughs> the world's going to hell, and, uh, you know, keep sitting. And I'm like, well, you know, that's not very encouraging. <laughs> ah, wow, that's interesting. 
Huh. And yeah, yeah, it was just I, you know, most of the talks that I, you know, saw that heard that that summer were, you know, uplifting and sort of optimistic and, you know, kind of like motivations to practice and that kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, it was a surprising talk. Mm. Mm. But I, I also remember. <clears throat> well, I remember. Um, I remember Reb coming and talking, and I had another one of those kind of extrasensory kind of experiences um, where I was I was looking at him while he was talking. You know, I was kind of looking up. I sort of knew that I was supposed to be looking down, but I looked up at Reb. And there was like this white light all around him. Hey. Um, kind of like a, kind of like a inch and a half of white light surrounding his body. And I went, Oh, that's pretty cool. <laughs> you know, that's pretty great. I like that. Well, uh, that's, uh, very interesting. You were looking at his aura. Uh, yeah. uh a, a psychic, uh, a very powerful psychic uh I uh brought to Green Gulch, heard Reb speak mm. and he said Reb had uh, a nine foot aura that was mm. as big as anything he'd seen in Egypt mm. or India. Oh, uh interesting. He said, but um he's young and and he, he he's um he's got problems with his ears. He said he's got to he's got to mature he's got to uh, hmm. he's got to get older, and he has. Hmm. And he has. Yeah. Hmm. The word I was looking for earlier was extrasensory, like an extrasensory experience. Yeah. It was kind of like the kind of like the one I had when we were talking when I was talking to Steve Allen or when Steve Allen was doing the talk at the. Yeah. Oh, city center. Yeah. Instruction. Mm. The other thing I remember, well, a couple of things. Uh, well, Baker Roshi would come and, um, you know, I was just totally in awe of him. He was, you know, tooling around in this BMW that he owned. And, uh, <laughs> that Zen like, Center you know, owned. <laughs> yeah, I guess it's Zen That's right. Zen Center owned. And, uh, you know, I was a kid from Detroit. I'd never seen anybody driving around in a BMW before, and I, I thought that was really cool. And uh, you know, <laughs> he was, you know, sort of this luminary. Who, you know, we heard, I heard that he, you know, hung out with Jerry Brown and Paul Hawken, uh, of course, which you know turned out to be not so good news later. <laughs> well, but it was uh, just part of how things evolved. He was a rock star. Yeah. You know, to me, to me, he was a, like a rock star. Did you have any uh, exchange with him or anything? Yeah, I had, I had, uh, did you, did, did we call it Dokasan? Yes. We, I had that with him once. And I also had a inter, like a impromptu lesson in the dish, dish shack with him when I was washing dishes. Yeah. And uh, 
I was washing dishes and we had one of those fly strips hanging from the ceiling. You know what I'm talking about? The sticky things? Yes. That flies would stick to? Yes. Because in the dish sack there were flies and they would crawl all over your face and you'd be washed, trying to wash dishes. I didn't, I didn't stay in the dish sack very long, but I happened to be there washing dishes at some early on and we had this fly strip and Baker Roshi walked in and, uh, he said, Oh, what's that? And I said, Oh, it's to catch the flies. You know, they just crawl over your, all over your face, you know, while you're trying to work. And I didn't think anything of it. And he said, poor babies. And I just went, Oh, he, I mean, it just never occurred to me to have compassion for a fly before. Hmm. Hmm. But what I was going to mention wait, earlier. Wait, what, what happened Roche, in. Go ahead. Uh, yeah, I was going to just. I, 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 I was going to ask you what happened in the dope sign. Oh, um, you know, all I remember was uh, he said to me, you know, I was a young guy and probably thought of myself as being tough. And he said to me, you know, I don't remember much of it, but he said to me, he said, the mighty oak tree doesn't care where it gets its water. Let us help you. And um, that was pretty good. That was that got through. That message got through. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. And you were going to say something else when I interrupted there. Oh, um, well, the thing that was very striking to me was, especially with Baker Roshi, Whenever he gave a talk, I had no idea what the hell he was talking about. I had no idea. But yet, I would leave the, the Zendo just stunned. Hmm. I, was, I would li- literally leave the Zendo after this was in the evening. He would talk in the evening, as I remember it. And I would leave the Zendo just completely stunned. You know, like in the cartoons when... Somebody hits somebody else over the head with a frying pan and it goes. (laughs) 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 All right. (laughs) Every one of his talks were like that. And yet. Five minutes later, if you asked me what I what he said, I would have said, I have no idea what what he said. I don't know what he said. I didn't understand any of it. Mm. (laughs) Mm. (laughs) But. It stunned the hell out of me. Mm. Mm. So that was, you know, that was quite striking. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So I love Philip Whalen. You know, I I knew who Philip was from from you know my readings of Jack Kerouac and you know some familiarity with the beat poets and you know that was that was. Uh, it was very, you know, I was very impressed with the fact that, you know, Phil Whalen was there at Tatar and I could talk to him and I had conversations with him, you know, over dinner yeah. or whatever. And it's like, this is Phil Whalen. Oh, my God. Hmm. Mm. Yeah, he was very friendly, very personable. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I was I was trying to write, you know, I was... I had been writing a bit and trying to write and, you know, I gave him a sample of my writing 
thing. And he wrote me a very kind note back that I still have, you know, a note from Phil Whalen about basically, you know, <laughs> you're a confused young guy, keep sitting, you know, that's basically what he said to me. Uh, I was like, okay. <laughs> All right. I didn't know I was confused. I thought I was pretty sharp. That's <laughs> uh, 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 good. And, yeah, and I and Norman also. I think I gave Norman some samples of my writing, and he said, you know, keep uh, keep writing, just keep writing, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you want to hear? I'm just trying to think of things from that summer. I was yeah, there. I stayed. Um, I remember they, you know, they kind of asked me if I wanted to stay and, you know, do the, uh, practice period. And I'm like, no way, no way. Let me out of here. I'll, I'll make it, I'll make it till the end of the summer. You know, if I can make it to the end of the summer, then this practice stuff will probably stay with me. If I can just make it, you know, till, I don't know, till practice period. Um, begins I think there was you know an end of the end of the guest season you know clean up or something after all the guests yeah the interim a a few days the interim no it's longer than a few days it's like 10 days or something you know okay I'm pretty sure I stayed through that but there was no way you know I, I was just I mean sitting was agony it was really agony. Mm. I mean, the idea of, oh, and also the idea of having to sit five days of Tongario. Well, you'd I'm already sure. sat one. They wanted you to sit five then. <laughs> oh. As I remember it, I was, you know, to be a, to be a, to stay for the practice period, you had to do a five day Tongario. Yeah. That's, that's as I remember it. You know, I never I thought, had you know, to. I never had to. Because the first oh. Tangario, uh, <clears throat> Dick was, Suzuki wanted five days for it. Yeah. But um, Dick was worried people would, people couldn't do it. It was, there were uh-huh. too many new people. Uh, there there were people there like you who'd, who'd really had very little experience or almost maybe none. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. Uh, uh, you know, he just thought that was too much. And uh, so uh, we we had a three-day Tangario, and they ended it in the afternoon of the third day. So, uh, oh, right. You know, and then we never we never had to uh, we we never had to do a five-day then after that. Uh, but the whole idea, but when, when the practice period would start after that, they'd start having a one. You'd had to do one day for it or when mm. you came back mm-hmm. to one day and that's not traditional in uh, japan mm. you do it once in your life that's it oh really yeah mm. well now that you mention it now now that you mention it i remember what they said was that it it could be five days and they would tell you when to stop oh goodness but it could be as they it could be as long as five days and I remember somebody saying, it depends on how well you sit. Oh, <laughs> that's, that's, that's cruel. <laughs> that's terrible. That That's not the right attitude. They shouldn't have done uh, it. Dick, Dick wouldn't have 
I don't think Dick would have approved of that. Uh, well, it wasn't. I know it wasn't Blanche. I don't know who told me that, but it wasn't Blanche. And I thought, you know, there's. I mean, I was already in agony for the five, four, five. I think it was five periods a day that we were sitting. I was already in agony. <laughs> so I thought, if I can, you know, if I can just make it through to the end, I really had a conscious feeling like, okay, this, this practice stuff, it will get, it will get in me so deeply that I won't be able to get rid of it. Mm-hmm. That's very interesting. You, you, you say five periods in the summer during the guest season. Uh, what I remember is two periods. One, but, but see, I wasn't there in 1980. One in the morning. Uh, no, maybe there were two in the morning. I guess you're right. Two in the morning. And yeah, it was the, it was the interim where there'd be one, two in the morning and two at night. If they yeah. were doing uh, a fifth, uh, I, I don't think so. I think it was four periods. Okay. Yeah, it probably was. What yeah. I'm remembering is that there was a noon service. Yeah, that's right. And there's an evening so, service. Yeah. But what I'm, what I, what I was thinking was that there was a period after noon service, but maybe, I think you're right. There was only four. Well, uh, uh, during the, um, <clears throat> you know, we might have early on, early on we did have a period before noon service. In fact, that's practice period. Uh, I think we might have mm-hmm. kept that up during the practice periods. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, mm-hmm. uh, anyway, you were, you were just saying, how you felt about what you'd gotten out of it. Yeah, I I felt like um this will this will this will improve my life. This is gonna you know help me deal with my life. This is gonna you know help me suffer less and and uh I got enough of it that it's gonna that's gonna stick, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh um and then you know there was there was the period do you want to hear about how um you know yeah, yes. how I returned a couple years later I I returned in 83 Yeah but but, but first tell me what, what what tell me about leaving and and what happened until 83 Oh okay well um you know I want you know I I found my people I found the people I loved and so I, I got a ride into the city and I went to the city center and I thought, well, you know, I want to live near city center. And, uh, I, you know, I went into the hallway there at the city center and I looked at the bulletin board and somebody needed a roommate. And, uh, I got, I moved in with a bunch of Zen students at the corner of Hate and Octavia. Oh, yeah. And the kind of the long-term guy there was George Chacos. Oh yeah. And I I saw you. I remember I remember you from that period of time. Mm-hmm. I don't think we ever spoke, but you know I saw you around, and for some some reason I knew your name was David Chadwick, and um, I remember you know hearing about Peter Coyote, and it was like 
that name stuck in my head. There's a guy named Peter Coyote, you know. <laughs> I don't think I ever met him, but, you know, that name stuck in my head. I mean, George Chacos knew everybody. He'd been around for a long time. Yeah. So I moved with in with George Chacos and I think four other Zen students. We had a huge flat. Oh, yeah. In the corner of Hayton Octavia. 181, huh? Probably, yeah. Yeah, I think so. Sounds familiar. Yeah. Yeah. And and George Chacos gave me a job also. So I got a job and a paid place to live all at once. Did George uh, paint? Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. Mean, I, had, I had a lot of I already had a lot of experience painting house painting. And so he hired me and uh, I moved in with him like all at once. It was like, oh, well, this is this is this is everything I need. I need a job and I need a place to live. And I got them both from George. Hmm. Yeah. Hmm. And I stopped sitting. I just thought, I can't, you know, I need a break from this. <laughs> I just completely stopped sitting. But I would go to talk to the Zen Center, mm-hmm. and, you know, go over there for lunch. And I would go to Green Gulch and stuff. And mm-hmm. and uh, several of my roommates worked at Green's. Maybe they were working with you. Well, I worked at Green's mm-hmm. 79 Spring until seventy nine. Spring until eighty. I was there two years. Okay. Uh, maybe I was there till the spring of uh, eighty two. Yeah. Mm. Okay. Now I now I'm remembering my my female roommate worked at Greens and one or two of my male roommates worked at the bakery at the yeah. Sahara at the bed bread. Bread bakery, yeah, and uh, and they were they were serious serious students. One was a wonderful guy from South Africa named Chris Kuhn, and he worked at the bakery. And mm. and oh, well, here's an interesting story. We had a party, you know. We had a a wonderful raging party there at the apartment, and. Um, uh, everybody was dancing and having a good time. I guess we were drinking beer and, uh, my roommate, Chris, were, I mean, there must have been about 20 people dancing in the, in the living Chris room. Who? Area. Chris who? His last name was Kuhn. K. Oh, oh, all right. You've already said that, right? Go on. K O E N was his name. He was from South Africa and he was an astrophysicist. Oh. And his vocabulary was his, English was his second language, but his vocabulary was bigger than mine uh, <laughs> as a native English speaker. <laughs> well, they anyway, speak English having, in South Africa. I think <clears throat> I'm unsure, but I think <clears throat> his first language was Afrikaans. Oh, he would Dutch. Uh, <clears throat> he would Dutch. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think at, at uh, I think. Yeah, his first language was Afrikaans, and English was his second language, but he was an astrophysicist. Anyway, we're at this party, and we're having this party, and everybody's having a great time, and there's like 20 people dancing in the living room, and Chris disappears for a while, and then I look, and he comes out of his bedroom stark naked and rejoins the party. And just starts dancing as if everything's completely normal. 
Hmm. And he spends the rest of the party stark naked. Hmm. I, I wonder <laughs> if he was high. Um, possibly. Possibly. Hmm. But we all just kind of, you know, accepted the fact that he was stark naked and he was dancing just as he had before, except he didn't have any clothes on. Ah, that's funny. And um, the party just kind of went on and he just mingled and drank and, you know, did mm. the, participated in the party uh, just as if nothing, just as if nothing had changed. Ah, that's it was funny. great. It's it funny. Great. Uh, it was great. I, I want to make a comment. Uh, I wanted to make it earlier when you were telling about Reb's talk, but uh, mm -hmm. I was, uh, I forgot about it because uh, of your describing seeing the, the white light around it. Uh, mm -hmm. It was very impressive. Yeah. You're, you're obviously uh, uh, sensitive, uh, uh, which, yeah, that's impressive. Anyway, you said you looked at him, you said, you know, you're supposed to look down. Mm -hmm. I do not agree with that. You can look right oh. at the speaker. Mm -hmm. uh, well, sometimes somehow I had the impression that I was supposed to, you know, keep my eyes down during the talk. Well, uh, maybe maybe some people think that, uh, and I would tend to do that a lot. But I don't. Mm -hmm. I never felt like I had to. Uh, yeah. And some people, I, I'm like Suzuki Roach, I'd always look right at him when he was speaking. Mm. Yeah. Well, you know, I had a lot of wrong ideas about, you know, what practice was. I probably still do. <laughs> oh, yeah, me too. Uh, that's normal. Yeah. That's part of yeah. practice. That's what practice yeah. is. Practice yeah. is having yeah. the wrong ideas about practice. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Forever. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> yeah, so, so, um, yeah, do you remember forward, when you were painting? Let's see, who else painted? Blaze Smith was painting some there. That's how I met him. Terry Gregg painted some. Mm. Well, he was, he was at Greens then. No, he was at Greens with me. Mm -hmm. Uh, uh, well, my my roommate on hey on Octavia was a, one of them was a woman named Sherry, and she was a server at Greens. I guess she worked for you. I uh, I was the maitre d. Uh, okay. And so nobody worked for me. Uh, maybe back then. Uh, maybe Ed was the head waiter, but uh, mm. I did I did ask. Waiters, you know, please set table number four for three people mm. or something mm. like that. I do that. So I, I worked with mm. people. Uh, mm. But, um, yeah, so Sherry, all right. Yeah, yeah. Mm, I can't come up with her last name at the moment. Yeah. Oh, Sherry. Yeah, I'm trying to think. She was kind of a big gal, dark hair. <clears throat> mm-hmm. Brash. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. yeah. So and I remember Chris had to be at the bakery at some god awful hour, and I thought, "Geez, I'm, I'm not that, I'm not, I'm not willing to put myself through that." <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Being yeah. a house painter was easy compared to the long hours and 
the long hours and low pay that everybody was getting at the bakery. I think uh, at Greens too. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. It was it's slave. Like it was, it was slave labor. Yeah. 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 I wasn't willing to go there. Yeah. <laughs> I was. Uh, uh, oh well. Go on. Um, so. Uh, well. All right. Keep going. Well, uh, you know the next the next thing that you know sort of stands out in my Zen career. If you if you will, is that uh, in '83? Well, after a few after nine months in San Francisco, I just couldn't stand the city, so I moved back to Portland, Oregon. Oh, I, I needed to get back to the forest. Mm. I needed to get back to the forest in Portland. I love Portland, but in '83, <clears throat> I decided to move to Tassajara. Oh, where I thought. I, I decided to return to Tassajara, and um, I had a I had a little crappy car, but I loaded all my possessions in the car, and I thought I'm going to Tassajara, and maybe I'll, you know, maybe I'll stay there the rest of my life and become a monk. And hmm. um, I was I was just kind of going without knowing what would happen, but I brought everything I owned, packed it all in the car, and I just thought, I'm going to go to Tassajara, and maybe I'll just stay there forever. But when I got there, this was this was probably May or June of 83, or maybe July of 83, uh, the fall of Baker Roshi had happened. Yeah. N- that, yeah. And... That's when and it happened. I, yeah. Yeah, and I felt like uh the I felt like the the energy was just not there. Yeah. It just it just was like it just wasn't the same place. There was just um I'm not sure exactly how to say it other than there was this intense practice energy and inspiration when I was there the first time and after, you know, events had come about with Baker Roshi and he'd basically been, you know, fired. There was like the, all the energy at Tassajara was gone. Mm-hmm. It just wasn't there. And I just felt like, I don't know, it's like the body didn't have a head. Yeah. He wasn't fired. incidentally. <clears throat> It was just an impasse between him mm. and the board. And Did he quit? Yeah, he finally, it, 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 mm. it wasn't going to work. Mm. I think of, I just think of it as the fall of Baker Roshi. That's right. <clears throat> so I didn't want to stay. Um, and uh, I stayed a month. I did stay a month. Mm-hmm. I remember Catherine Tannis was doing yoga. I don't remember a lot from that month, but I thought, well, this isn't this isn't it. You know, this isn't what I'm looking for. It's just the the energy is gone. So I decided to go to ZCLA. Oh yeah, check that out. Yeah, <clears throat> I had my car. I had everything I owned, and I thought, well, 
I'll go to ZCLA and see how that is. And um, I had I had met Joko Beck at a at a three day session in who she came up to Portland to do a three day session. So I had met I had sat with Joko, and uh, I was pretty you know I liked her, but I wasn't you know, bonded with her after just a three-day session. But Mm -hmm. when I went to ZCLA, they assigned me to work with Joko. Oh. And that's that's when I found my my teacher. Mm. That's when I found my my real teacher. Mm. Because she was was a monk at ZCLA still then. And, you know, I began working closely with her and, um, you know, then I studied with her for until she died in 20. Oh, I don't when she died, 2011 or something. Ah, <clears throat> uh, yeah. So she became my teacher as a direct result of the fall of Baker Roshi. Hmm. I've never heard anything but good <clears throat> things about her. She was an amazing person. Just, I mean, she just shook me to my core every time I. Every time I talk to her, every time, every, she used the word, she called it Dyson. You know, every Dyson would just pull the rug out from under me completely. She called it Dyson. That's interesting. I've never heard that. Yeah, she called it Dyson. I'm not, I'm not sure why she changed the word. Huh. Maybe, I don't remember if that's what they called it at ZCLA, but after she left ZCLA, that's what she called it. Uh Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Hmm. And she went to <clears throat> San Diego or something? Yeah, she, you know, there was a lot of misbehavior at ZCLA, crazy drunk. You know, Maizumi Roshi, as far as I have heard, he was an alcoholic. And yeah, there was a lot of really, you know, awful behavior there. And finally, she just said, you know, forget it. I'm leaving. And she started her own center. And she'd been... She was, I think they called her a Dharma holder when I was there. Mm-hmm. And, um, she, you know, she was teaching. And then I'm not sure exactly, um, what her, I'm not sure if she became a, a Dharma heir exactly of Maizumi Roshi, but she was some, some, I guess she was a Dharma, Dharma heir of Maizumi Roshi. And then she left and she's, she just started her own center and stopped wearing robes. And she tried to take the Japanese culture. I mean, my impression was that she, you know, kind of tried to eliminate the specialness from Zen because there was a lot of specialness around the robes and the shaved heads and the Japanese words. Right. Right. You know, her book, her book was called nothing special. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, so her her center in San Diego is very different. Center of San Diego. Hmm. And um, you know, I just loved her. I mean, I just, I just, I just loved her mm. uh, completely. And it was just such a feeling of intimacy whenever I was with her. Oh, that's great. And and I learned so much. I mean, I just learned. I learned how to. You know, manage my life, which was, you know, involved, had 
had involved a lot of suffering. Hmm. Hmm. And uh, I mean, she was just she was just the ideal teacher for me. Well, that's good. Yeah, I wish I wish she I wish she was still around. But I find it interesting because if 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 Baker Roshi hadn't had his fall, I I don't think I would have ever you know encountered Joko. I I had encountered her, but I I don't think I she I would have been become her student. Yeah. So it was very very much a direct result of that crisis at the San Francisco Zen Center. Hmm. Mm, yeah, I ended up there. That's really interesting. Now, um, the, uh, the 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 reason uh, we've been in contact recently is because you sent me a message on Facebook. We were Facebook friends with mm-hmm. a, uh, a a photo of um, uh, a, a couple of uh, the brochures that we had put out when we were raising money for Tassahara to buy it. Um, That's right. And one of them <clears throat> I recognized as the one I didn't have. Uh, right. The only, the, the only, uh, you know, the, the, the only one from that early time that I didn't have uh and um it, it was actually not a uh brochure to raise money for Tassahara. it was it was with the very first uh brochure that went out it was to raise money to buy a piece of <clears throat> land near Tassahara called the horse pasture mm. 160 mm. acres where we planned mm. to build a monastery <clears throat> and uh uh, uh, you know, Suzuki and Baker had Tazara in mind, but Beck wasn't willing to sell it yet. And then finally, <clears throat> mm-hmm. you know, his wife was pregnant and, you know, they, they'd been running it since 1960 and it was the, in December 66, they agreed mm-hmm. to sell Tazara. But, um, mm-hmm. so, but that money went toward Tazara anyway. Uh, now, uh, uh, you, 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 so you, you found that and you, you, tell me how you, you got hold of that. Yeah. Um, I don't remember if it was after I went to Tassahara or before, uh, I was staying, I want to say it was before I went to Tassahara. Um, so it was, was 1980. Was 1980? Yeah, it was about. It was 1980, and I believe I was assigned to clean the bathroom there and the hallway, um, kind of behind the office. Yeah. And there were these boxes of brochures. There were hundreds of brochures in these boxes, just kind of stacked up, sitting there. And you know, I pulled one out and looked at it, and. You know, I wasn't keeping the precepts at that time. I hadn't taken the precepts. I didn't even know what the precepts were. So I thought, well, these are cool, and they're just sitting here, so I'll take a couple. And, you know, 40, 43 years later, I still have them. I just thought they were, you know, amazing, interesting artifacts from, 
you know, the beginning of Tassajara and showed, you know, some of the process of how it started. And I just thought they were wonderful and interesting. And so I, I just took a couple yeah. with me. And I've, I've had them all this time. And at, I don't know, it was probably 10 or 15 years ago. I, I wrote to, I think, David Zimmerman. I think uh, David Zimmerman at the city center. And I thought, well, maybe somebody wants these, you know, somebody, <clears throat> maybe somebody would find these valuable. Maybe Zen center would like these and they didn't seem very interested. And I thought, well, okay, you know, I guess I'll just keep them for my own, my own pleasure and my own, my own history. You know, it was a little bit of my history too. Yeah. Uh, and then, and I don't know, at some point in time, I thought, well, maybe David Chad would, like to know about these and bingo it was great you know to find that somebody was really interested in these things because i'd I'd always found them very interesting yeah um seemed like i was kind of the only one who found them interesting yeah uh well i i knew we were missing one and you know i went through but see i was doing it in i was looking for stuff in say the 1990s uh uh, I was working on Crooked Cucumber then. Uh, but, you know, no, I think it was later. Uh, I went through a lot of stuff there in the 1990s, second half of the 1990s, <clears throat> working on Crooked Cucumber. Mm-hmm. No, but I think, oh, uh, no, that, yeah, uh, pardon me, I'm just reviewing. Actually, I would look through and find things after Crooked Cucumber came out because, you know, cuke.com got going and I kept mm-hmm. uh, adding to the archive. But that is one uh, one uh, I, item I never came across. Uh, maybe it mm. was in uh, the library storage room. I thought I'd gone through everything there. But, you mm. know, I miss things. Uh, mm-hmm. and, uh, so when I got that from you, I went, wow, that is so great. Yeah. And, you know, yeah. uh, it's now on a page on cuke.com for, uh, uh, brochures and posters, uh, mm-hmm. for, uh, raising money for Tau Sahara, uh, oh. in 1966, 67. And mm-hmm. then, uh, you know, recently, I don't know, a month ago, I, I realized, you know, this isn't all here. This is, it's mm-hmm. one, you sent me uh, a, a pretty good photo of the whole front side. And I had thought, and it's a big piece of paper that's like uh, maybe a, yeah. a, a foot by a foot even bigger uh say, I think so. uh yeah a foot and a half by a foot and a half or something <clears throat> that uh you know it was folded to be a mailer so it didn't even need an envelope mm-hmm. and That's uh right, David. and then it opened up into this big thing you know <clears throat> so i realized yeah. what made me realize that i thought because I, I I spent recently I spent a lot of time looking at just the details and the facts of that time. Uh and mm-hmm. 
so I was looking at everything and I was reading that and, and I realized there's no pitch for money. There's mm. no address. Mm. There's no, mm. I was thinking the, the address and all that would, was the only thing missing. I realized, oh, there's another side. And then I got hold of you. And, uh, yeah. uh, so, uh, um, <laughs> uh, you, you, when you get back to Portland, uh, you know, I will be eager. You know, what I'd like you to do is to take it to Kinko's or whatever, to FedEx Kinko's mm-hmm. and, and have it like, like scanned both sides really professionally, high, professionally right? I'd be happy mm-hmm. to pay for it. Uh, sure. No problem. But I, no, I'd be happy to do that. Yeah. And then just keep it. Yeah. Okay. You know? Uh, and yeah, it, the the ironic thing is that I don't I don't have access to it because I rented out I stuffed all my my stuff everything uh, keep into the attic at my house and I rented it to a family so unfortunately timing is a bit off. Yeah, well, uh, when do you think you you might be back? But I there? know I have it. I know I have it. Yeah. Uh, when do you think you might be back there again? Um, I will be back there in about three weeks. No I'm kidding. I'm going for eight months, but I will be back there. And you'll you'll have to you'll have to uh, nudge me. Because it's it, there's going to be a lot going on when I get back there. I've gone, I've been away for eight months. Yeah. Well, um, I've got a new and, and you know, so I need to um, to find it because I will also I'll have to ask my commission to go into my storage area. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, that's cool. Uh, well, um, so that I, I love hearing about your, uh, your Zen, uh, path there. That's really interesting. But let me ask you, uh, what, what have you done for a living? Oh, well, lots of stuff. I've been, been a truck driver after I became a house painter. Um, I moved back to Portland. I became a maintenance man at the Portland Art Museum. Uh, I became a hotel doorman at the most expensive hotel in Portland. Became a massage therapist. Oh, goodness. And, uh, I was pretty well known in Portland. I, I was known as Portland's masseur to the stars. And I, I worked on a bunch of famous people who stayed in the, the exclusive hotels in Portland. Ah. And, uh, I was kind of, I was well known in Portland as, as a, a, a highly regarded massage therapist, mm. I was on TV and stuff, and but I never could make a living. And then uh, slowly over time, I became a landlord. You couldn't make a living being a being a high end massage therapist, huh? You no, it just never. 
it just never completely took off and I just could never and and I got married and Joko Joko married my ex-wife and I we had a wonderful amazing wedding with Joko officiating and mm. and then we had kids and you know I needed to make money and I just couldn't do it as a massage therapist it just never I tr- I gave it 14 years of my life mm. as a massage therapist for 14 years and just never could make a living at it. And slowly over time, I started remodeling houses. I I bought a couple houses cheap and remodeled them and <clears throat> made them into rentals. And so I've been a I've been a landlord for over thirty thirty five years. Mm. I even had a blog for a while. I called it Landlord Zen, property <laughs> management for the sake of all beings. <laughs> and I was trying to be a blogger, but nobody ever read my blog, so I gave up. <laughs> nobody ever <laughs> cared to read it. So, <clears throat> so now I'm 68, and you know I make my living as a landlord mm. in Portland. My my rentals are in Portland. Mm. Well, why are you traveling around? Yeah, yeah. Well, I've made a living as a landlord for. The last twenty years or more, that's been my my primary. Ever since I stopped doing massage, my my income has come from my rentals. Yeah. Uh, why and are I've always? Why are you living always, in Corpus Christi? Um. Uh. Well. Um, <laughs> uh. In 2016, my wife of 32 years, um, I think she went kind of crazy and she just decided she didn't want to be married to me anymore, which was a big shock. Mm. So, um, <laughs> it, uh, you know, I'm trying, I'm trying to decide how much detail you want. Um, so 2016, my marriage ended. Um, 20, 18, I ended up in Israel as a tourist, met an Israeli woman, and now I'm married to an Israeli woman, a wonderful Israeli woman. Mm. And and for the last 15 months, we've been waiting for a green card. So we've been traveling around the U.S. while we waited for a green card. She hadn't seen very much of the U.S. Oh. And so we decided we decided to rent out my home in Portland and, you know, take that money and travel. And so we left Portland eight months ago and we've been, we were in California for a couple months and we were in Tucson for five months and now we're in Corpus Christi. And um, the green card interview is happening on June 13th. So that's a wonderful thing. We've literally been waiting and waiting and waiting for 15 months without knowing, uh, Mm. you know, when when this wait would end <clears throat> so mm. we're just we just rented a place in corpus christi for a month because we wanted some place where we could go swimming in salt water oh yeah 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 well that's so great. we're just in an airbnb here uh well it's nice that's good well you've had a yeah. an interesting trajectory in your life i'm glad you didn't kill yourself um no thank you yeah. And uh uh 
now you asked, remember I remember when I said, "Hey, why don't you do do a be a guest for a podcast?" Uh, you, you, well, I wouldn't have much to say, and uh, I don't know why you want me. But uh, it's been great. It's been oh, great. Thank you. Yeah, I've really enjoyed it. And oh, thank you, David. Yeah. Um, and uh, well, let's stay in touch. Um, yeah, and, please do. And uh, yeah, I'll be eager to encourage you when you're uh, in Portland to get that done. You so far. Uh, I, I have not found another one of them. I'm sure they're out there, but I haven't. You're, you're the only one that mm. I know who has um, uh, got one that uh, we could, you know, have the whole thing on cuke.com for. Yeah, well, I'm 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 pleased pleased to contribute a bit to your history of Zen Center and Suzuki Roshi. Yeah, I'm very pleased. That I can add something to that. Well, yeah, you've added you, you've added half of that, and this podcast. That's great. <laughs> no, thank you. Yeah, you gave a nice picture of being at Zen Center, and 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 I think it's neat to show how you you, you know how somebody's experience of of going through Zen Center and it. You know, a, a brief experience there, you know, of some, uh, some months, uh, how important it was. And, and your details were great. That's, oh, thank you. That's, you know, I, I sort of feel like, uh, uh, it's a, I, I have a sort of sociological way of looking at it sometimes that I don't want a sampling of, just uh the high mucky mucks you know mm, mm-hmm. i don't think yeah, that gives yeah. uh, a good picture and uh yeah well there were, there were a lot of students that went through there that didn't become mucky mucks that's right that's right mm-hmm. although i like the mucky mucks and i i admire them for <laughs> you know sticking with it mm-hmm. and all that so, uh, so i yeah. like everybody at every level <laughs> wonderful yeah well i'm honored i'm honored to be invited yeah well thanks a lot i appreciate it. it's been good talking with you so let's stay in touch all right yeah thank you all right yeah feel free to prod me feel free to prod me about the middle of june okay those brochures uh-uh. yeah i will right. do that okay all right thank you Thank yeah. you, David. Yeah, take care. You too. Bye. Bye-bye. So thank you very much, Mike Pappas. Uh, incidentally, this is before he was back in uh, Portland and did send those excellent photographs that you can see on that page. Uh, look, the, the way to find things on cuke.com, C-U-K-E.com, it's just write keywords in the site search box. That's what I do when I want to look. I don't go in my computer and figure out where it is unless I'm going to work on it. I go online and uh, I just write the word. This one I have to write posters or brochures. There's a middle come up, page will come up. And it's pretty neat. You can download them too. Um, anyway, there's the, the, I, I think the most popular one would be the Zenefit one 
Uh, that's a, a neat poster, colorful. You can also get it by uh, going to the publications drop-down menu. It's the very bottom one. Posters and brochures for early Zen Mountain Center fundraising. I say Zen Mountain Center because the first ones weren't for Tassajara. They were for land. Okay. So anyway, thanks, Mike. Um, a really good way to see mine story. And um, I appreciate it. And uh, until we meet again, this has been a Cuke Audio podcast. I'm DC, Poobah of Cuke Audio and Cuke Archives, coming to you from Sleepy Senor with Dog and Pandita Feline. Oh, no. That slips out. Feline Cuchitas in the garden. Uh, fertilizing the plants. So, <laughs> dog at bandita. Oh, guess dog at uh, bumbita bumbu, which means spice in uh, Indonesian. Uh, and that's not her real name. Her real name's Bumble, but it's too hard for Indonesians to say. Uh, so we say bumbu uh, or bumbita. Anyway, so with. <laughs> <laughs> Doggett Bandita, guest Doggett Bumbita, and dear lovely Katrinka. And we're wishing you and yours and all of us a grand awakening. <laughs>